Welcome to The Kingdom is for Everyone. This is your host, Matthew Hester, and this is the place to discuss all things righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to take just a moment to thank our Hester Ministries monthly supporters. You help make this podcast a reality, as well as the many things we do for the sake of the gospel around the world. We cannot thank you enough. If you'd like more information on how to partner with us, please go to hesterministries.org partner to find out more information. Uh, also, we would invite you to go and visit the homepage for this podcast. Go to anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. That's the number for everyone. And while you're there, you can figure out how to become a podcast supporter. We have podcast uh, support levels as low as 99 cents a month. Uh, also, while you're there, click on that message tab and leave us a voice message or a question that we would love to feature on an upcoming episode of our podcast. Uh, here at The Kingdom is for Everyone, we want you to be more than an audience. We want you to be a participant. We also want to encourage you to like and share this podcast. Please do leave us a five-star review so that we can get in front of as many people as possible. Okay, well, we're going to jump right in to episode 72. We're not going to labor any more time. Uh, we're getting into the second part of the conversation that I had with Pastor J. D'Ambrosio on his podcast, The 1% Christian. I pray that last week blessed you, and uh, this week you are in for some additional treat, man. We just kept going and covered an amazing array, array of topics, and I just thought it would benefit you so much to listen to this in some different parts to really get the meat of what we had the privilege of talking about. Also, I mentioned in our episode last week that there are some specials that we talk about with Present Truth Academy throughout the course of our conversation. Those specials were for Black Friday, but since we're bringing them up and I'm re-airing this conversation, I want to let you know that these specials are still available for you. So if you go to presenttruthacademy.org and go ahead and do some shopping, you got a couple coupon codes that you want to take advantage of. One of those is BF20. BF20 gets you 20% off of any one item. Uh, maybe you'd like to do uh, our BF BOGO, B-F-B-O-G-O, buy two, get any one free. And then we still have our master collection available uh, for $14.99, which is four years of study. It is a bachelor's degree in theological study uh, here with Present Truth Academy, and you just cannot beat that price. Uh, I promise you that. Uh, so make sure that you avail yourself of those. And uh, we're going to jump into this conversation in this segment. We talk about everything from the Warshak God to the conflict between Israel and Hamas. We talk about the heavens and the earth, the power of forgiveness, and much more. Uh, we will actually be doing a third part to this, but this is part two, and I know it is really going to bless you guys. So once we finish up with this conversation, I will come back and follow, follow it up with a little bit of a greeting uh, and finishing out this episode on the other side. All right, enjoy. So what we're really seeing is the uh, the grasping onto the physical and if, if that is what you've built your life around then you know anything in the natural right is is uh is basically subject to what the first law of thermodynamics right everything tends to move toward chaos everything tends to right. break down so as, as paul said you know don't focus on what is seen focus on what is unseen what is unseen is eternal and that's the the calling and he calls so many people blessed that you wouldn't think uh would be blessed by right. you know the gentle Right. We want we want people. We, we want warriors. Right. We want even our God to be uh, warriors. I love the way you put it uh, in terms of uh, and I'd like for you to share it. Uh, was, you, you call it the, the Rorschach God. Is that is that right? Yes. That, that term? yes. I, I love that. Can you delve into that here for a second? 
Uh, yeah, so so that's a, that's a series that I did. It's also a session in the God Who Looks Like Jesus. Um, and, and basically the Warshak God, we take, it's out of Psalm 50, uh, where, where David, oftentimes we find him in the, the journey of the Psalms. There are times where he's kind of going in and out of the soul and the spirit. Um, and, and, you know, I think God likes us to sing. Even if our soul's messed up, go ahead and sing anyway, right. because it gives God an opportunity to take over the song. But somewhere uh, is right around verse 20 or 21, God is, he's speaking this list of things that people do, given to murmuring, complaining, um, gossip, you know, backbiting, all these things, betraying even your own brother. And then around verse 21, it says, and I stayed silent while you did these things because you thought I was exactly like you. And so that's where we begin to pick up on, on the thought of the Warshak God. And so that Warshak test, I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. It's the ink block test. Uh, and so when you hold it up, um, everyone has a different answer based on their experience, right? So some, somebody might say, well, hey, that's my dad who was abusive. And the other person might be, that's a butterfly. Well, well, how in the world did they come to such radically different conclusions? It's because their experiences begin to project the image that they see. And there in Psalm 50, we see the same thing happening to our relationship with God. So we're doing these things and God's not stopping us. God's not saying we can't do it. And so we have this assumption that, well, then he must approve of it, or even uh, he's in, he's implicit in it. Um, and so it's a God that looks more like us. And it's funny, um, our God, if we're not careful, he starts liking the same, you know, books that we like. He has the same political leanings that we have. All of a sudden, our enemies are God's enemies. Um, but that's interesting because our information about who God is has to come through the person of Jesus. If it doesn't, then we have to go back to the drawing board. And so that's that's really what I'm talking about, the, the Warshak God. We have to put aside the image of God that we've projected based on our own experiences, our own failures, or our own victories. And we have to lean into the image of Jesus that gives us the perfect reflection of who God is. Well, it makes me think about verse 9 where it says, Blessed are the peacekeeper, uh, peacemakers. Yes. For they will be called the sons of God. He's talking to yep. people that are waiting for a Messiah to come and destroy uh, their enemies. Right. So right. it's it's totally contrast. And and that word blessed, right? That Greek word makarios, which basically means what? Happy. Right. It, yes. Happy. And it was used by the Greeks what, in a couple different ways. It was to describe those who were already dead and above the uh, above the the troubles of the world. Those who were so rich, they didn't have anything to, uh, you know, anything to worry about. And and most uh, m probably most high in their eyes was they used it to describe their gods, which didn't have a care in the world. So Jesus right. is saying that that blessed in in I guess the right word here would be fulfilled are those that pursue these things. And I see mm -hmm. just the world today, even with everything that's going on, and then we'll kind of move on from this part. But it's almost like we relish in the choosing of sides and we find no peace because we're not peacemakers. We're not trying to find the common ground. And the common ground in all circumstances is this, is that there, that we are broken without Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he's the only answer. You know, you could choose a side in the Middle East, but the bottom line is, is what we have is the product of the lack of the gospel being implemented in both of these areas, because that would solve right. it. Wouldn't you agree? Right. I mean, so right now, the, I'm assuming you're talking the conflict there with Israel and Palestine or Hamas. Yep. Um, so, uh, again, that's the Warshak God on both sides. Yep. Right. So on, on the Palestinian, the Hamas side. So I, I, I want to make sure I recognize there is a political subsect within Palestine. 
So it, it doesn't incriminate all Palestinians in the same way in America. You know, uh, we cannot I can't claim responsibility for our government. Our government's crazy. I'm yeah. not our government. Right. But nevertheless, we're still in the nation. Uh, and so but but let's say let's say Hamas radicalized Palestinians. Their Warshak God says we have every right to attack and kill and destroy Israel. OK, so we say, well, that's bad. Right. And, and, and it is. But then on Israel's side, their Warshak God says we have every right not only to defend ourselves, but to destroy the Palestinians as well. Neither side is the authentic God. Uh, in, in one of my podcast episodes, I actually did an episode on Israel and, uh, and Hamas. Uh, I was I asked this this question, where would Jesus be in the middle of a conflict? Yeah, I did listen and, to that one. And, tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah. And I, I would just humbly submit he would be a medic. He'd be a heavenly medic, not choosing sides, ministering healing and restoration in a moment just like that, because, again, he doesn't choose sides. You know, there, there's really only one time, I would say definitively, where we see that uh, it's Joshua, where he's wanting the Lord to choose sides. The angel of the Lord comes to him. And he says, oh, okay, who, who are you? Are you are you for us? Or are you for those who are attacking us? And I love the response to the angel of the Lord. I'm I'm on my side. I, Right? So even though right there, certainly enough, he's working with Joshua, he's still telling Joshua, I don't, I don't join sides. And that is so counterintuitive to, to what, to what we want. And, and again, that's why the Sermon on the Mount, and especially here in the Beatitudes, see, I mean, Jesus, he's laying out a list, essentially, of character traits that we should see present in his disciples. Now, granted, there was a whole, there was a whole multitude listening, but Jesus wanted to make sure his disciples got this. This sermon is for his disciples, okay? Uh, and so he's telling them, okay, these are the character traits. This is what it's going to look like. And, and what I love, I love how you zeroed in on peacemakers. What is a peacemaker? Uh, it's different from a peacekeeper, right? Because you can only keep peace once peace is established. A peacemaker is essentially one who stands between two warring parties and brokers peace. I mean that that is an amazing, amazing thought. And they uh, should be called the sons talk. of God. So imagine the Pharisees yeah. sitting there listening to that, wanting right. what they want, right? And and being told, no, this is what the sons of of God look like. Yeah. It, it's huge. So then Jesus then goes to talking di directly to the disciples as well, talking about, I think, some of the attributes, being the salt, being the light, how to operate in personal relationships. And I love how you take us back to what it must have been like to, to be there. So, I mean, going now, continuing with the Sermon on the Mount, how do you see this sermon developing in terms of how he was preparing them for really, I mean, this is the beginning of, uh, of an incredible journey for them. Where do you see yeah. the sermon going from here? Well, so, so first he lays out the character traits. And then I think it's so interesting the way the tone starts to shift a little bit. Now, it all, it all works together beautifully, but he shifts that tone and right in the middle of while he's talking. Okay, first of all, I don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I, I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And, and if you keep reading, I've got these, these right in front of me here. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, right? We've, we've all read these. Not one letter, not one stroke of a pen will disappear until everything is accomplished. And so I've had people even debate me from time to time. Listen, it sounds like what you're preaching is that Jesus came to abolish the law of the prophets. And even he said that he didn't come to do that. But if you follow through in those verses, he continues and he says, well, they won't be abolished until. Until. 
So actually, there is precedent that they're going to pass away. And so a lot of us don't understand what the until moment is, right? He says, till heaven and earth pass away. And, and again, because we have bad eschatology, we don't even understand what the heaven and earth are. We think that's actually talking about creation. It's not sure. talking about the, the created world. Uh, the heavens and the earth, those are interchangeable terms for the, the, the temple and the temple district, right? So if the temple was the heavens, that's where the priest would go and their priestly duty. It was known commonly as the heavens and the earth is the surrounding district. And so he says, until the heavens and earth pass away, the, the law is going to keep going, essentially. Yep. And so, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, would you bring that back to where Moses said, oh, heavens, oh, earth, when he was uh, addressing Israel? Or do you think that's a separate, oh, heavens and oh, oh earth in Deuteronomy? Well, um, no. So I, I think I think that that's Moses leaning into what's being yeah. established. I've that's heard it that, that way. I, I wanted to know if you thought yeah. it was the same. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that the argument can be made that that same phraseology would apply to the tabernacle of Moses. Right now, we don't see really any of that phraseology in the tabernacle of David because it was altogether different. Uh, I would say um, outside of Solomon's temple, David's tabernacle was probably the closest, most accurate way without without just the revelation of indwelling. I think that's how God really enjoyed it. Uh, Basically, it's a pitch tent. Everyone has free access. 24-7 24-7 praise and worship sounds good to me, right? Uh, and so that's what David modeled um, until we see indwelling. And so now this is obviously what God was out for. He was out for a multiplicity of temples not made with human hands, and it's his it's His joy to dwell in us. And so now, if you can accept it, we are the new heavens and the new earth. And that's, um, again, that's problematic if our lens is focused on the natural created order, sure. because we look around and we're like, man, if this is heaven, count me out. Uh, but but again, that's not even what God's addressing. He's not addressing the created order. He's addressing humanity. Humanity has become the new heavens and the new earth. And so from there, we can actually figure out how to outwork the heavens and earth in us into the world at large. And that's essentially kind of the main point of what we're supposed to be doing as the body of Christ. But we miss that most of the time. But right. we're getting better, though. We're getting better. I, I believe I believe we are as well. It, it, the Bible talks about the restoration of the tabernacle of David in what? The fulfillment of the new covenant. It says here that yes. not one uh, jot or tittle will be uh, replaced. Now, now, are we still under the law? I, I'm, I mean, no, almost every Christian I talk to says, no, absolutely not. So, again, the conundrum is, is then, okay, what yet would need to be fulfilled if we are not under the law, it says right here. I mean, even, even James, not to be, you know, hop, you know, epistle hopping here, but like says that, that, you know, that with the law, you break one, you break them all, you know, mm-hmm. so we're all under that. So, so we, we have to look and see as Jesus starts to shift their mindset from the old to the new. And, and really, as you, as you go through here, you, you start saying, so you have heard this, but yes. let me tell you this. And yes. we, and we want to, you know, it's so funny because I'll talk about this stuff and then somebody will say, well, what are you saying? Is that, is that, you know, the old Testament is not the word of God. No, I'm not saying that at all, but wouldn't you agree that we have to understand that leading up to this point where Jesus is actually, we're watching a revealing. So we're going to see things that, that were thought of about God that are now being corrected. Yeah. And, Modern day Christianity is still holding on very much to an old 
Testament type of God works based God in a way. Mm-hmm. Why do you, why do you think that is? Well, uh, I, I think again, because human default, we, we take comfort in being told what to do uh, because um, living a life of faith is a life that makes a demand on maturity, right? We're, we're even told in scripture that the law is not of faith. So right. if, if you, if you really want to live a life where no faith is required, well, it's simple, just be told what to do, but that's problematic because Jesus is not interested in that. Uh, and that's why I think it's, it's also interesting. And that's why it's profound where Jesus specifically goes after an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Which is called the Lex Talionis, uh, which is the foundation that the entire old covenant law system was built on. Okay. So Jesus could have used the entire Sermon on the Mount. He could have individually gone after the hundreds of laws that we that end up being heaped on to the original 10. But instead, he just goes after the heart of it. So Lex Talionis, that, that, that's basically, it's the law that the whole nation of Israel the ruling authorities, they built their law system on. And so when he hits that, which is essentially, it's a life for a life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, or we would say the punishment has to fit the crime, right? And so you do it to me, I get to do it to you, and we're going to consider it even. Jesus says, no, actually, the kingdom doesn't even work that way, right? If if someone slaps you, you turn the other cheek. If they they take something from you, give them that, and then offer, offer additionally you know, something else, um, you know, and, and some of it is amazing because it even zeroes into how the Romans were treating the Jews. You know, I mean, that, that is so hardcore. So it's not even just be kind to your neighbor. It's be kind to your oppressors. I mean, that's like, you talk about a radical message that nobody wanted to hear. And, right? and nobody wants to hear today. It's, it's hard for, <laughs> it's hard for me to hear that. No, absolutely. <laughs> and you and I, you know, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so uh, so he just continues in there. And it's amazing. Uh, just in a matter of a few verses, he he shows his disciples how to deal with anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, loving your enemies. It's like one after the other. He's like, guys, this is the standard of the kingdom of God. This is what this is what the world is about to look like. And I'm showing you firsthand what it's what it's going to be. And so it, it was it was a huge ordeal. You talked about making the gospel beautiful before, and I just think about this, again, taking our own flesh and setting it aside for a second, a world where we're able to look past transgressions, right? And to, like you said, the eye for an eye, very much we see that today. I said this yesterday with Bishop Jamie, and I'll say it again here today. We see it so much with the cancel culture, right? Jesus was about anti-cancel culture. Uh, It was, it was, the most anti-cancel culture, uh, you know, person ever existed because that's obviously the nature of, of God. And as Bishop Jamie said yesterday, he goes, well, the church has been probably the best at cancel culture and now it's kind of swinging around. And at the end of the day, cancel culture is a bit like having a pet tiger, right? It's a friend until it isn't. And, and it devours us all without that grace. But that's why it says do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not do unto others as they do unto you. Yes. Right? And and what would the world be like if we could just if we we could just follow these principles and implement them because we we've got people that are just at each other's throats here and it's painful to watch and honestly it's it's and from a fleshly standpoint you have to fight not jumping into the fight yourself. No, absolutely. Uh you know the 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 whole ministry without retaliation um so one of my mentors, Dr. Kelly Varner, he used to say it this way when he's talking about when you're hit on, on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Um, that actually is a picture uh, 
of that we live in a world uh, of a ministry without retaliation. And so actually part of what's being communicated there, which again, you talk about hardcore, it really is about as hardcore as you get. It's basically turn the other cheek as long as you want to retaliate is actually what's being communicated. Okay. So, okay. So, so if I want to hit back, turn the other cheek. Oh man, I want to punch him. I want to turn the cheek and you keep turning it until you no longer desire to retaliate against the person that is inflicting violence on you. And I'm like that. Okay. That's way too far. That is way. It's not just a ceremonial turn the other cheek. It's keep turning it until you no longer have the desire to retaliate. So that's huge. (laughs) That is huge because I think what people have a real hard time is, is like, well, God doesn't want me to be a doormat either. Right. Or I mean, what what would you say, say to that? It's like, well, what say, just let people just, just do whatever they want to me. What what would you say to that, Dr. Astor? Well, so uh, again, I I think what he's showing is the, the entire system that came before him justified violence meted out basically in an equal response. And so what he is showing us is his character and nature. And that's really where the Sermon on the Mount kicks it into a level that if we're not careful, we do feel almost left behind in a sense to what he's trying to communicate, because it almost sounds like this impossible system of standards. It sounds like God-like character, which, which it is. But what he's showing us is I, as God, don't use violence. Against enemies. I don't. And if you're wanting to look like me, you don't get to use it either. Okay. Now I want to make sure I make this disclaimer. I'm not saying that there's never a time where violence might be necessary. But what I'm saying is, and I'm, I'm truly convicted of this in my heart. I don't believe there's a time where God ordains it. Okay. So again, real world scenario. If someone broke into my home and they're threatening my wife and children, uh, I'll just tell you guys here, I'm going to use violence. Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's again, it's necessary. And you're not celebrating that. I say, yeah, no in sense of like, no. I never want that to have to be the case. Absolutely. And it's going to break the heart of God because it, it, any violence perpetrated against his, his kids, it's going to break his heart and it should break my heart as well. But now imagine those, but, but this, this, this had been so ingrained in this culture. They didn't even think about it. They didn't think twice about it. Right. Someone, someone steals from you. You have the right to go and steal it back. Someone knocks you over the head. You have the right to knock them over the head. And, and that's just how they played the, the game of, of their checks and balances. But Jesus comes along and says, listen, I'm telling you, violence doesn't drive out violence. Right. Only peace can do that. Sure. So, see, that's the problem. We're all waiting for who's going to be the peacemaker. Well, I'm, I'm not going to be the peacemaker. I'm going to punch them in the nose. Maybe Jay can be the peacemaker. So it's like we're all waiting for someone to make the first move towards what the kingdom's supposed to look like. But when it's said and done, nobody's willing to make the move. Right. And so, so Jesus is telling us, you got to embrace this up front or, or it's not going to happen. To be the to be the cycle breaker. I, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm, I'm trying to piece this together in a way that is communicable. But the way I see it is, is sometimes you're just dealing with the non-ideal, right? So you have an absolute standard. That is, that is what God would want in perfection, but any deviation from that, right? Any, um, impurities, any introduction of the natural is going to come with some form of decay in it. Right. So, so I, I don't know if this, this makes sense. This is why I'm really trying to piece it together, but I feel like what we see often 
is a tainted striving for the truth. And anytime there's a deviation from the perfect, you're going to have to deal with the cause and effect in this world. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, so at, at the utmost level, as you know, to bring up the Israel and Hamas thing. Now we're really dealing with a cycle that somebody's going to have to kind of, I think this is what you're saying. Somebody's going to have to come in and break that cycle and say yes. no more. We see it in our political system, right? We say, well, so-and-so did this. Oh yeah. Well, what about when so-and-so did this? Well, what about when it's the what about isms when somebody just needs to stop is come in and say, you know what? It's all unacceptable. And I don't right. care what, and that, uh, isn't this what Christ did, right? Jesus came in and said, we're, we're, we're drawing a line here. <laughs> yes. And, and really in our life, when we, when we really pursue him, we draw a line and it doesn't mean that we're, we don't, you know, uh, sin or we don't make mistakes. I make them every single day, but it, it's that line that we could always go back to and, and strive for any deviation from that. We're going to deal with some form of consequence. And, that, and that's somebody breaks in your house and you're having to, you know, take action against their life. Wouldn't you say that that's the non-ideal part of of the world that we live in, having to be played out? Unfortunately, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's the non-ideal um, again, falling in the category of necessary. But but don't stop for a minute and say, "Man, God, God, help me win the victory today," which is how a lot right. of us attribute those kind of moments. Now, now maybe your listeners are saying, "Okay, well, that's an extreme." You know, most of us, that's not going to happen. So, what's what's a way we can practically let this play out? I think all of us could say that we've experienced something like this. Someone wrongs you. Okay. What is the kingdom response to being wronged? Right. So there's practicality. What's the most practical way? Forgive. Uh, and, and okay, well, how do I forgive? Well, there's a standard actually for how forgiveness works. So if you want to go the God standard, um, he actually takes offense and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. And so it doesn't mean God literally forgets, although maybe he does, but it means that he ne- he no longer ever uses the offense. He never brings it back, never uses it against you, right? And so that's the standard for forgiveness. So so then I've seen this play out. I've, I've let it play out this way personally. Maybe you can relate, Jay. Um, okay, I'll forgive, but they got to ask for forgiveness. So once they ask for forgiveness, then I will be the bigger man and I will forgive. Uh, but actually, even that's not the standard. The standard is, you just forgive, even if there's no apology, even if there's no repentance. Again, kind of like you know Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. They they don't even know what they're doing. No. So and they're so it's in amazing. the act while he's saying that. Yes, in the act, humiliating him. Go ahead, Father, forgive them. So let's, that's kingdom practicality right there. Wow. Uh, how, how do I know that I'm, you know, moving forward in kingdom expression, kingdom lifestyle? How eager am I to forgive? Okay, so there we have it. Uh, I pray that you guys enjoyed part two of this just wonderful conversation with Pastor J.D. Ambrosio and the 1% Christian Podcast. I would encourage you to go and listen to that and to take advantage of it. Uh, I know it'll bless your life. And uh, yeah, we're going to have at least a third part to this. Um, I haven't decided yet on a fourth part, but uh, I know it's definitely a third part. And so I pray that uh, this is something that you're enjoying. Please, uh, as a reminder, just like and share this podcast. Leave us a review so that it can get in front of as many people as possible. Uh, Don't forget to check out our websites at 
hethstrobministries.org. You can find out more information about where we're going to be ministering next, product information, things like that. And then go to presenttruthacademy.org. We are on winter break right now, but that does not have to stop you from signing up. And you can immediately begin uh, studying any one of our primary study tracks or elective resources. Uh, Just because we're on break certainly doesn't mean that you have to be. Uh, And then help us get the word out with there um, because, uh, you know, Present Truth Academy is something very special, and we're so thankful to have the opportunity to equip the body of Christ in such um, such a substantial way. We really don't take it for granted. Okay, well, I pray that uh, you guys are having an amazing Christmas holiday, Christmas break. Uh, I believe that this episode actually drops the day right after Christmas, so pray that you are spending time with your loved ones and just holding close those that you have because, uh, you know, said and done, that is what's most important in our lives is God and family. And so pray that you've had that opportunity to invest some rich time uh, with love and togetherness. Uh, That really is what makes the holidays all worthwhile. And if you don't have family nearby, I pray that you have had the ability to find some family uh, because we're all looking for one another. All right, well, God bless you. Have an amazing week. Uh, Thank you so much for letting us be a part of your Tuesdays or whenever you like to listen to these episodes. It really does mean the world to us. I want to remind you of this before we finish out. If the kingdom isn't for everyone, well, then it's not for anyone. God bless you.